so, 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 so good. Oh, man. I am overflowing with gratitude this morning. So many things to be grateful for this morning. It's like, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. And we praised him this morning, didn't we? Awesome. As we ministered to the Lord in song and worship. Oh, so, so good. I'm blessed. Are you blessed this morning? Are you glad to be here this morning? Again, so good to be in the house of the Lord with a bunch of like-minded people going after the presence of God. Ah, so good. This morning, I wanted to... I wanted to complete the message that I started last week, but God ended up leading me another direction. So I might refer to a couple things from last week, but I want to make an announcement first. When I think of all of the things that I have, that we have, to be grateful for, to be thankful for, I just wanted to uh, list a couple of them this morning, share a couple of them with you this morning. Uh, number one, in two 2002, we started worshiping in this sanctuary. It was completed for worship, ready to move into in 2002. 2022, we got new carpet. That's awesome, isn't it? No small deal. I really that. This amazing carpet that we have kept up here on the stage is 20 years old. So that was 20 years old that we were walking on and all around and in the classrooms. We got new carpet in here. 20 years that we've been worshiping here. I can read, and I know what I want to say. Just give me a second so I don't... Uh, <clears throat> God's been really, really good to us. And I, personally, am so extremely grateful for His goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, isn't it? His goodness. He's so good. Okay, thank you. Father, I, th I thank you. I just thank you this morning. We come before you with such grateful hearts this morning, and we just want to share with one another in that gratitude and in some of the good news. And I just want to share some good news. We've got some testimonies even that I want to, I want to share just a little bit that uh, they're not going to be up, able to come up here and share, but that I can share of your goodness, of your faithfulness. I thank you. I praise you. And I just turn this service over to you this morning. Say, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way here this morning. We hand it to you. We bless you. We praise you. Amen. I'm ready now. I just needed that. In 2012, in 2012, next month in 2012, I was voted in as senior pastor. It's like... <clears throat> I 
And I'll probably talk a little bit about that. And I'll tell you what, on April 3rd, which is Social Sunday, we're going to have a big celebration because I, I realized this morning as I started preparing my message, that, oh my goodness, that was exactly 10 years ago. <laughs> this April that we took that vote and, and it's like, yeah, we want you to be our senior pastor. It's like, I'm not sure what you were thinking, but here we go. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, Dale, you're one of the loudest laughs that I just picked up on right there. So, Been a board member for a long, long, long time, but 2012. So we're talking about a 10-year anniversary for me. Uh, in, in, in April, but I also want to share another thing because 2002, all of these twos, it's like, you know, the, my first message that I preached of 2022 had a lot to do with twos, and so I want to bring some of the two stuff into it. 2002, the sanctuary was completed and we moved in. 2012, I was voted in to be the, the senior pastor, and in the second month of 2022, and again, we got new carpet in 2022 that we started pay, well, we paid for it anyway. But in the second month of 2022, Valley Church became debt-free. Yeah, I think that's something to celebrate right there. I think, <laughs> yes. I think we should just stand up, high-five one another, do a little dance through the aisles or something, and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. <clears throat> And just to th add a little bit more to that, that was just over two years before we would have been renewing a half-billion-dollar loan to go for another 10 years. So we're 12 years early to actually be paid off. <laughs> but God is so faithful. You know, the, the power of the spoken word and the power of declarations. We've been making those declarations. You haven't heard us up here begging for money or asking, you know, can you give, can you give, can you give? Have you? No, no. We believe in the goodness of God and the obedience and the goodness. As he pours into his people, they will be faithful to do their part. And we are so blessed with the people of Valley Church that have done just exactly that. So April 3rd, we're going to end up burning the note. <laughs> oh. Are we done? <laughs> Couldn't wait to share that. Couldn't wait to share that. God's so good. I, I, 
we'll talk about some of, the, some of the things, some of the mile markers and some of the accomplishments and some of, of what he has done and what he's accomplished uh, here and, and, and through this body. But I wanted to share a, a little, um, last, so, last Sunday was Social Sunday, and, and uh, I don't see them this morning, but oh, I see Dustin Tab. Do not see your little brother, though. Nope, nope. Well, their daughter, you remember probably, well, three and a half months ago, uh, Molly told me it was exactly three and a half months ago, that they were sitting about in, in the middle over there, and I just absolutely felt compelled to call them out, their daughter Hallie, to come up here because she was struggling with some major health issues that she'd struggled with her entire life up to this point. She, the family came up here, we gathered, I couldn't tell you exactly who all was up here for that. We gathered around that family, we gathered around that child, we laid hands on her, we prayed for her, and God was faithful to heal her. And they told me last Sunday that it had been three and a half months and she's not had a single problem that was related, to the, that she was completely healed. Molly just says, completely healed, completely healed. So, we just celebrate his goodness, his faithfulness, and sometimes we just have to take that gamble to step out. You know, not fearing, like, but what if, but what if? Follow me? Yeah. What if I make a complete fool out of myself and call them up here? What if they decide they don't want to come up? What if, what if, what if? But when God speaks, he's faithful to follow through. He's got your back. It's like that song that we were just doing. It's like there's another in the fire standing next to me. No, it's like, oh, he is so faithful. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, he's got your back. You can trust him. We can trust him. He's got our back. All right. We're going to, uh, to get started in Scripture, but I, the one thing that I do want to touch on from, from last week when I, when I was talking about uh, Elijah, the prophet, having that incredible mountaintop experience where 450 of the, of the prophets of Baal, the wrong voices, we just call them the wrong voices, the bad guys, were slain. And I, when I, I think of the things that, uh, of the Old Testament and, and read and how they cast shadows, you know, types and shadows, and are such a reflection that's, that comes up in the, in the New Testament and, and the, oh, that's... Think about the, he took them, all 400, gathered them up, took all of them down, and he took them down into the valley to slay them. Remember that? He, he took them down. He didn't make a big spectacle. He didn't do it right up there on the top where the incredible, incredible miracle had taken place. But he took them down into the valley, and that's where he took the sword to them and probably ended up. A lot of them probably ended up with their heads chopped off. Probably most of them. What do you say? Cut the head off of that voice that is speaking the negative things that is coming directly from the enemy. 
So he took them down in the valley, and I just say, man, how, how that reflects in our experience. It's like when we're on the mountaintop, and we don't get to stay on the mountaintop all the time. We don't live on the mountaintop consistently. We would love to. We, we, we can have the, a mountaintop attitude at all times, even when we're not on the mountaintop. But when we end up down in the valley, that's where we have to end up taking it upon ourselves to chop the head off that voice that's speaking to us when we're down in the valley. Does this make sense? It's like, man, thank God for the mountaintop experiences where we're just going and glowing, but when we go down into the valley, that's where it's so important that we recognize the voice and instantly chop the head off. Okay. I think that's probably a good enough uh, completion for, for a reference back to last week, I believe. I did keep my notes up here just in case. Uh, I need to refer back to something else. But the title of my message this morning is, uh, What Did God Put in Your Hand? What did God put in your hand? And I was thinking, I'm going to share a little of my testimony as we go. Remembering that in, in Revelation, it says, They overcame the adversary by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So when I talk personally about some of the things that I've done that I've experienced, I'm surely not bragging about what I've done. <laughs> I just want to be transparent in the experiences that I've had because that's my testimony and these are the things that I've overcome. And what does each one of us have? We have a testimony. We, we, we need to be overcomers, which means we need to have a testimony of something that we overcame. Right? How many overcomers do we have here? So we have at least that many testimonies then. So there's something that you can share, how you overcame. We don't glory in the past or the things that we did before we were saved. They come under the blood. If we're going to revisit them, we revisit them through the blood of Christ with his permission. But we share our testimony as overcomers because we're now on the other side. Okay? All right, so there was my, uh, what do you call that when you have somebody, uh, uh, never mind, never mind. Yeah, yeah, that. Uh, disclaimer. So, I'm going to talk a little about, <laughs> again, what did God put in your hand? What did God put in your hand? Every one of us has a plan and a purpose for our lives and a testimony. And part of your testimony is what you, what you have in your hand. One of the tools that you have is what you've overcome. Where you've been and what you've overcome is something that you have in your hand because it's an experience that you've had. So it's a tool that you can use for God's purposes, for building his kingdom, your testimony. All right? Got it. Okay. Well, I got this tool. This is something that I used to carry all the time. Not a cheap one like this, but a full-size, 25-foot, one-inch wide tape measure, because that's what I did. 
I made my living uh, with doing a lot of measuring, and I needed to have something that would measure at least 25 feet. So I carried around on my pocket because I didn't need to wear a belt when I was younger. It's kind of weird how that, once that six-pack turns into a keg, it pushes down on things that now requires a belt. So, so. Now, if I were still doing that, I would wear it on my belt. That's, that's my... So, I showed up on, one day on a... I say on a job. It was actually a property of mine that I was familiar with out in the sticks in Homedale. It was a mobile home, and, and the people that lived in that mobile home... Uh, they rented from me, and, and they had a pit bull. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I've never been bitten by a dog. I'm not really afraid of dogs, and I've never been bit by one. Seems like if you're afraid of dogs, you're probably going to get dog bit. Is that right? If you're afraid of horses, you're probably going to get bit, kicked, bucked off. Is that not right? You should see Renee get on a horse. It's hilarious. They will take off running with her, <coughs> rub up against another horse. <laughs> I mean, she's terrified of horses, but she jumps on anyway sometimes. Okay, uh, I talked about fear. Greg, I saw that shirt that you were wearing, faith or fear, faith or fear. It's like, yeah, we're talking about we're believers. We are believers. What does fear attract? It, it attracts Mean animals and the devil. He goes about, it, 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 it says in First Peter that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Like a roaring lion with a loud voice that if he scares you and you run scared, then he has a great opportunity to isolate you and devour you. Does this make sense? But we have been given the tools, we have been given the authority through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and through what he did while he was here as he overcame the enemy and created for himself an opportunity to make the devil his footstool and use us to do that. So we have authority over the devil. Everybody say that with me. We have Authority over the devil. He's given us the tools. We're overcomers. He's given us a testimony. I think what, what Drew said was, was so awesome. It's through the blood of Jesus and through our believing in Jesus, through our repentance and confessing of our sin. See, in the Old Testament, I'm going to just back up just a little. In the Old Testament, they, they weren't repenting of their sin they were just giving a sacrifice for their sins so they could go on and continue on. Is that not right? John the Baptist came teaching repentance. When we move into the New Testament and, and, and the construction and the building in Acts of the New Testament church, it was repent and be baptized. And this is something that I've just capitalized on, this one word for the remission of, of your sins. Now, some translations say for the forgiveness of your sin. I think Jesus has forgiven our sin, 
then we repent and be baptized for the remission of our sin. Does this make sense? What is it when cancer goes into remission? It's no longer active. It just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't do any more damage. It's no, it's not, it, it goes into remission. Repent, be baptized for the remission of your sin, and then you will receive that promised gift of the Holy Spirit. It's like, so, when we repent of our sin, not just like, okay, it, claim that forgiveness, but repent, ask forgiveness, and then turn from, repent and be baptized, we will experience remission of our sin. It becomes a dead thing. Man, that's awesome right there. Somebody should say amen. Thank you. Now, I showed up. <laughs> Sometimes I need somebody to help keep me on track here. I showed up on that job that uh, I don't even remember the reason that I was there. There was a time that I didn't have a, a, a lapse of time that I didn't have a, a manager, so I had to go check on something myself. I get there and I open the gate. This thing was fenced yard. I open the gate and they had this pit bull always like on the far corner of the front porch deck. They had a big chain around the, the leg that held up that deck and it was around that dog's neck with the big collar and that dog would come out then he would hit the end of the chain. You could count on the end of that chain. So it's like, doesn't scare me anymore. They've been there for a couple of years. So, I mean, not, not that I'm afraid of dogs, but they are absolutely startling. And when you see them barking and showing their teeth, it's probably a good idea to stay on the other side of the fence. <clears throat> Knowing that he had those limitations, that he would come and run and come after me, hit the end of that chain, it didn't concern me. I opened the gate. I went walking in. I got about four steps in. I'm like, probably from here to Ron to the steps to go up on the porch. The dog sees me. He comes rushing out. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, he doesn't hit the end of the chain. It's like, oh. And that, <laughs> so there was a moment, <laughs> a moment, maybe a moment and a half that I needed to check my boot to see what just ran into it. But, no, that was horrible. No bathroom humor from the platform. Just say, it startled me really bad when I realized that the chain was not attached to the post. But the first thing I did, when you encounter an enemy like that, which this dog has just become my enemy, it's just like, how? Oh. I can run for the gate, but he is running like crazy towards me, and I'm not going to make it before he catches me, and then I have my back turned to him. I can't run for the step, because I'm going to meet him head on, so it's like, it's dilemma time. What, what do I do? What do I do? When the, inner, the enemy encounters us, is when we have to realize what tools that we have that we might be using against that enemy. That we don't just cave into that rah, roaring lion look and turn and run. 
Psych. So what did I do? You get back! <laughs> Something that I was very accustomed to using, to drawing on a regular basis, my tape measure. That tape measure sticking out there four feet, you get back! Authoritative voice like that, he stopped in his tracks, looked at me, and like, you get, you get. He's like, back around to the, it's like, now. So again, <clears throat> he's given us authority to face off with the enemy, to tell him, Get back, get back, get back, get back. Just like the declarations that we make. God's faithful. He honors that. And when we speak to the enemy like that, you get back. Get out of my life. And don't cower in fear. We can count on God having our back. So the moral of that story, everybody needs to carry a tape measure. You know? so. <laughs> what did God put in your hand? What did God put in your hand? I, think, I know you have a testimony. I know that there's tools. I know that he created you with a plan and a purpose for your life. And as you determine what that plan and purpose is, as he begins to reveal that to you, you're going to start to realize and acknowledge the gifting that he's already given you to begin to fulfill that purpose. Just like something that you've, that you've carried that you wouldn't even necessarily think about, but when the time comes, it's like something really, 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 really important. You know when Jesus was led out into the wilderness, a high point, high, high, high point for him, he was baptized by John the Baptist. Heaven opened up. Spirit came down in the form of a dove. They heard the audible voice, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. It's like, was that not an incredible high, high point for Jesus right there? It's like, yes, yes. And from there, where did he go? To the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. To the wilderness to be tempted from the devil. High point, high point, low point, low point. And what did Jesus do? He used his mouth, he used his words, he used the tools that his heavenly Father had given him, and it was the Scripture. We need to know the Scripture. We need to know the promises of God. We need to know what he has said about us, so we can be confident in the authority that he's given us to walk in and operate in by having these tools. When he was confronted, when he was tempted, he said, Scripture says, Scripture says, Scripture says. Remember that. Something we can always use on the devil. He told me that you have to flee. He told me, he showed me, it says it right here in his holy word, and he doesn't lie. Yeah. 
Okay, we are going to start in Exodus. I'm going to talk about Moses here. Uh, talked about Elijah. My intention was to move into Elisha, but we're going to Moses. Uh, yeah, third, chop, third chapter. But before we move into the third chapter, I want to just a little bit of a little bit of backstory for for Moses, because this man, this man of God, was raised as a prince in the house of the enemy. Right? He was raised in an Egyptian household <laughs> as being raised up as a prince. So I, I want to, after I've made that statement and told you where we're going to go, I want to go to the 23rd Psalm. I feel like this is something to read this morning. Everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. Probably half or more of you have even memorized it. I'm in New King James Version. I want to read, let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Stop right here. Let's say that again. I will fear no evil. Again, nice and loud. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Yeah, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now stop right here for a second. Just think about that scripture right there. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now where was Moses eating, having the finest of meals? In Pharaoh's presence, at Pharaoh's table. And what was the call on Moses' life? To free the Hebrew children from slavery. He was sitting at a table prepared for him in the presence of his enemies. Ponder that one for a second. Like, wow. You know, he was being raised as a prince. He was given all of the wisdom that was taught to princes, to the princes, of the time, he had, uh, he just had it pretty easy. He had it great. But then, then, now is where we're starting with, is with the then. Uh, Moses saw an injustice. And I believe that Moses was being raised as a prince with incredible wisdom at his fingertips, but he had a heart of compassion that burned for justice. Moses had a heart of compassion that burned for justice. So seeing that heart of compassion and that was burning for justice, he saw an Egyptian mistreating, beating one of the Hebrew children. And so he took a check, looked around, looks like nobody's looking, I'm going to teach him a lesson, and he killed him. He killed the Egyptian. Well, there was a guy watching. And it was one of the fellow Hebrews that was 
that had been watching. Well, this guy was one of the loud, boisterous type, kind of a bully. He ended up picking on another Hebrew slave. Everybody say, picking on. Because he was a bully. He was a loud-voiced bully. He was picking on somebody. He was the guy who was in the wrong, and Moses went over there to stop the fight. He said, hey, don't be hitting on him. Don't be beating him up. You know, stop. Knock that off. And the guy responded back to him, oh, who made you the ruler, the prince? Who made you the deliverer or, or, or the, uh, the, the authority over we Hebrews? Are you going to kill me too if I don't respond right? So Moses kind of freaked out right there. It's like, somebody did see, somebody does know. And the part that I really want to capitalize on here, it was really a good thing that Moses got the warning because he fled before Pharaoh found out and got, had him killed. So it was a good thing for him to have the warning, right? Because he fled, he left, he took off. But I'm saying that there is a loud voice that we can allow in our heads that will come back and haunt you over and over and over again if you don't deal with that loud voice. And that bully voice said, you know, who are you, basically? Who do you think you are? Like, so Moses fled, was gone 40 years into the desert, uh, 40 years into the wilderness, he, he took off, and he became a shepherd. So the man who was trained, raised up as a prince, became a shepherd out in the wilderness. pretty interesting that picture now where the prince becomes absolutely humbled and becomes a simple shepherd I think another really cool part that mm, last week I got lectured about three times or four times why do you keep looking at that clock it's a habit it's a habit uh, the symbolism is Moses, the prince, came to be a shepherd. Jesus, the prince, king of kings, came to be a shepherd. And I'm going I'm to touch on this again here in a little bit. He spent 40 years being raised up to be this, this, this prince. He then spent 40 years as a shepherd out there on the backside of the wilderness. But before he got there, he ended up, I mean, before he became the shepherd, he ended up going, and, and you know where everybody gathers, it seems? There are so many stories in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, that are talking about gathering around a well. They brought their, their livestock in for water. They drank from the water. They drew the water, you know, carried water back and forth from there. Gathering place was the well. The, the, the life-giving part of the well was the water, right? The water. And, and when we think Jesus is the living water, and I just think, wow, what, what another pretty interesting, kind of amazing symbol is like, it feels like the church is the well. And we've had a lot of prophetic words that 
of, of water flowing and, and people seeing three streams of water coming uh, around here. But it seems like the church is the well and Jesus is the water. Scripture in John says, Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Once we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have living water flowing out of us from the center of our being, which is where the Spirit dwells. So we're a source of living water. But it seems that the church, I just think of the church as the well, where we gather at the well to get that another drink of water. So Moses went to the well. He was, he was at the well, and so interesting, the, uh, the Midian priest Jethro had seven daughters. And the seven daughters were there. And I talk about he, he's a man with a heart of compassion that wanted to see justice. And he was a deliverer kind of guy, Moses. He was at that well, and he was sitting there watching, and there are seven daughters of, the, of Jethro, this Midian priest that have brought their livestock to be watered at the well, and these shepherds ran them off. It's like, ah, they're just women, girls. Get them out of our way. We've got a job to do. Moses saw that, and oh, this is an injustice. He stood up for them, took care of the shepherds, you know, got them up there, got their livestock watered, and sent them home early. They went back to their dad, and he said, Wow, what are you doing back here so soon? You got the livestock watered so quickly? And oh, yeah, there was this Egyptian guy, and he stood up for us, and he helped us water our livestock. Moses, well, where is he? You let him go? So they sent him out, and Moses ended up drawn in to the house of Jethro, married his, one of his daughters, and became the shepherd because he was drawn to that through part of the gift that he had, which was justice and compassion. This make sense? Okay. So part of the gifting, how God was raising Moses up, and we just we check your lives. Like, what, what, what are the giftings that you have that you know he's put in you, that you feel that you burn for, and God calls, is calling you to that, to something, to the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. We come to the, we come to the well to drink of the water and to get what he has for us. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, start patting myself on the back and then forget where I'm at. Okay, so Moses becomes the, all of that just to tell you to get us to the burning bush. So, the burning bush. We know the story of the burning bush. He's out tending, uh, tending, being the shepherd, and, and he sees the uh, bush burning and goes to that burning bush and kicks off his shoes. That, that whole, uh, everybody knows that story, right? So, God started speaking to Moses. And, and we'll start with, I'm going to start with verse 14. Start with verse 13, where I think that he, here's where Moses is reflecting back 
to that voice of that Hebrew, which was the loud voice that says, are you going to kill me too? Are you going to kill me too? Just who do you think you are, Moses? And I think that's what he started hearing in his head. God was speaking to Moses, yet Moses is hearing the voice of that guy. Does it make sense? Okay. God's saying to Moses, he said, I'm going to certainly be with you. This will be a sign to you that I've sent you when you brought the people out of Egypt. You will serve on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, and when I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What's his name? <laughs> well, then what am I going to say to him? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together. Say to him, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you. And I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Pezzert, Amorites and all of these ites, <laughs> to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then, you will, then they will heed your voice and you'll come and, and, and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt and you'll say to him all of this stuff that, that's going to happen. And he says, and then I'm, I'm going to give to the to this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And every woman will ask her neighbor, and, and they're going to get, they're going to go away with plunder and, and bounty. And then Moses answered and said, But what if? Suppose they won't listen to me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Who do you think you are, Moses? So the Lord said to him, He's hearing that voice, you know, that questioning voice. You know, all of us go through that. We all go through that. Do I really hear the voice of God? Do I really, is that really him? We hear that voice and that somebody has said that something that we will hang on to that is a louder voice to us than that still small voice of God. We got to know. So the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? He said, well, it's a rod. It's the thing that I do. I'm a shepherd, and I have this rod in my hand. So it's a rod. It's my tool that I use currently. And he said, cast it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became like a serpent. And Moses fled from it. It's like, I think that... Can you imagine that? Just picture that. You know, it's like, yeah, this is my rod. This is my shepherd's rod. I've used this thing for nearly 40 years. And throw it down, and it became a serpent, and he ran from it. And I just, the first thing that I thought of when I, when I reread this, this time, a whole other revelation. It's like, for me anyway, might not be for you, but it's like how often it is that when we apply what we have been given, the, the tool that we've been given, and we decide, yeah, I'll, I'll throw that down and, and see what happens. 
see what that might turn into, and realize the call that God's put on our life, then we turn around and run from it. I know a lot of people, a lot of people, that begin to hear and begin to think, and then it's like, run, Forrest, run. It's like, yeah. That ain't me. I'm not qualified for that. I don't know enough to do that. You've got the wrong guy. How many times as we have read through the Bible did God hear that from somebody? you got the wrong guy, not me. I am the smallest of the smallest of the smallest tribe. I'm not qualified. No, not me. Not me. Not me. And they run from the calling even when God has shown them something. Sometimes especially when God has shown you something. Anybody relate to that? Well, then a bunch of you that relate to it need to make some changes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on. Moses saw himself as hopeless, helpless, and yeah, I can't do that. I can't do that. I already know. I've been told by that one Egyptian, who do you think you are? And all of us in our life have heard that from somebody, like, who do you think you are? And a lot of times it's family. Who do you think you are? You. Uh, Okay. Okay, and if that one doesn't work, when you throw that down, <clears throat> the next thing we'll do, I've got, I got another one. Put your hand inside your cloak, pull it out, and it's going to be leprous. Stick it back in there, and it's going to be pink again. It's like, wow, that's amazing, God. That's, that's amazing. That surely should get their attention. So God's getting Moses' attention a little more, a little more. Then it goes to one more thing. If this doesn't work, I want you to run to the river, dip some of the water out of the river, pour it onto the ground, and that's going to turn to blood. And when that turns to blood, surely you will have them. So Moses says, but what if? What if? He says, um, I'm going to try and fast forward here just a little bit. Well, we'll go to verse 9. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, I'm going to give you this third sign, and that's going to be blood on dry land. And Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. I'm not a good speaker. I do not speak eloquently. My words don't flow well. It's not going to work. (laughs) And God started to get a little frustrated with him. Like, Moses, I've shown you. I've shown you. You threw down this tool that you used. You threw down your, your tool that turned into a snake. That's pretty amazing right there. Now, and the next one, you, what can heal? You, you can see it healing. Your hand can be leprous, and it can be back to, and we can put blood in the water, water turn water into blood. And he said, but I, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue, Lord. So the Lord said to him, <laughs> I love this part. Who has made man's mouth, Moses? Who made that mouth of yours? Well, I'm going to blame that on you, God. Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, said the Lord? Now, I have made you, I have created you, 
I've put a call on your life. Anyone that I call, I will equip. And we need to know that. You're called, he will equip you. He's the one that made your mouth. He's the one that made your brain. He's the one that put that burning passion in your heart. He'll equip you for the ministry that he's called you to. Now, therefore, go, and I will be your mouth, and I'll teach you what to say. Okay. Boy, it's getting more difficult and more difficult for Moses to argue with the Lord there, but I'll teach you what to say. Oh, my Lord, please, send by the hand of whomever else you might send. So please pick somebody else. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, All right, how about your brother? Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. Look, he's coming out to meet you here pretty quick. So here's, here's the deal. You will speak to him, verse 15. You'll speak to him. You'll put words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. I'll teach you what you should do. Verse 16. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you. That's, that's pretty interesting, huh? And you shall be, this is the part that, and you shall be to him as God. Like, whoa! Do you catch that? You are going to be my substitute. You're going to end up being as God to him. I think more symbolism. I think God sent Jesus to earth. Jesus only did what he saw or heard his father say or do. Jesus has called you and me to be his hands and feet on the earth so that we will be oftentimes the first and the foremost Jesus before the encounter with Jesus. Does this make sense? No? <laughs> I'll try again then. Aaron was to be the mouthpiece, Moses is to be as God to Aaron, Jesus came and was the mouthpiece to the people on earth, so he only spoke what his father showed him or told him to speak, right? We all know that scripture, it, it's all over in the New Testament. Jesus has called you and I to be his hands and feet, has given us authority so that we can be, I say, his hands and feet, and people will see us as a representation, an ambassador of the Lord, becoming as, not a God, but a representative of God to his people. Now take this rod in your hand, which you're going to use for signs, and return to Jethro, and I'm going to send you on this mission.
Now I want to bring one more thing into this, and, and then we're going to uh, start to close. I think of myself and, and my testimony, and um, 17 years ago, I was asked to come and serve at this church, not just because of my tape measure, but because of my Uh, because of my business skills, basically. I came in with business skills, with a heart for the Lord, with a heart for God, and a heart for people, but I had business skills. The board asked me if I would, if I would come, if I would serve, and I signed on for six months. That was six months, 17 years ago. But it was because when, when we're obedient to step into what God's calling us to, and we take that first step of obedience, He not only activates, but He equips and empowers you to fulfill and accomplish what He's calling you to do. So, so how valuable and important it is that we have businessmen and women in the church because God works through them. We can be as Acts 6.3. This is a great reference, Acts 6.3. Stephen and Philip, we both know stories. Philip was the one that trotted along beside the chariot for Queen Candace, her, her bookkeeper. Her accountant was riding in that, in that chariot. And Philip, who was given the job of the food bank for the widows, one of the seven that would run the food bank for widows, he's running along and changing the life of the eunuch that was riding in the chariot. So, man, this man whose primary job was to end up serving the widows was obedient to follow the Holy Spirit and do some amazing and incredible works. Stephen, the one who was stoned and they could see on his face that he was looking up and that he was seeing into heaven, was one of those that was serving in the business of the food bank. First Colossians 1.29. I get that one up there. First Colossians 1.29. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, with which works in me mightily. It's God working in us. It's His power working through us. I mean, we take the steps of obedience to do what He's called us to do. We do, I mean, is there some striving involved? There is some strive that is, that is involved in the working aspect of it. But it's His power working through us that anoints us and empowers us to accomplish what He's calling us to do. Let's stand together.
I'll just ask right now, is there anybody this morning that God has really been speaking to and that, that you would say, I need an impartation in my life. I want to be bolder. I need an impartation in my life. I need, you know, when uh, John and Peter sometimes would, would, would travel and, and lay hands on, when they would lay hands on, there was an impartation and people would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. They would receive an anointing. Is there anybody this morning that feels like they need to have hands laid on them to have an impartation of power and authority? Maybe healing. Maybe, you, uh, maybe you're believing that you're going to lay hands. God stirred something up in you. But when you lay hands on people, you know that, that, that you're being called to healing, to a healing ministry. Maybe you're starting to, to, to wonder and starting to get some things, get some visions, and, and you feel like <clears throat> he's calling you into like words of knowledge, into the prophetic, so you'll be able to, so he will give you the confidence, the boldness, and the authority to prophesy. God's just stirring something up in you this morning and saying, yeah, I just, need a, I just need a little more. I need a boost. I need to have hands laid on me or someone that can impart the gift that I am asking for. Anybody feel that this morning? I'd like you to come up here. I'd like you to come up. Of separating into separating into uh, groups. If you're if you are feeling and believing specifically for an healing impartation, would you come over to this side? If God's stirring you up and you're feeling that God's called you to healing. You want to be empowered, that you want to be emboldened, that you want an impartation for healing. That's going to be this side. And if all you're wanting, if all you're wanting, not like this is anything that's subpar by any means, if you just want to operate in boldness, in confidence, understanding your authority, saying, you know what, I just want to walk in that authority like you to come over to this side. We're just talking about a new level of authority of authority. Just wanting to step into a new level of authority. And anybody that wants to walk more, walk further, to be advanced in prophetic words, words of knowledge, it's like right in the middle. Prophetic words of knowledge. John and Ann Bays. There. Okay. I want to use you guys. You're, I want you guys, first of all, I want you guys to walk through here. And Dina, Dina, yes, Dina, Craig and Dina, would you guys, I'd like you guys right here as well. 
I've seen, heard, know that these people are carry the impartation for healing. It's been it's been passed off, it's been handed off, and the fruit is evident. So I want you guys to lay hands on, pray for. It's a prayer of impartation for healing. If we get a little clearer, if that's if healing is what you're believing for and saying, okay, perfect. So if you guys will start, Craig and Dina, if you guys will start on one side over here, John and Ann on the other side, Pastor Rich. Impartation or prophetic impartation. Who else would be, who else would, uh, huh, I know somebody. Christy Lynn, where's Christy? More like you. Pastor Rich, if you will just start, like, can we get a little more defined line here? Those that are just, we're wanting authority and boldness. And then those that are looking for prophetic, to advance in prophetic. Pastor Rich, is there someone else that you would call to, to assist with that? There's quite a few people there. Dominic. Yeah, Dominic. Right here in the... I want you to start right there, coming this way for boldness, authority, and boldness. This woman, when it comes to boldness and authority, I've seen her running around our own house, screaming, yelling at the devil, and, and it, you got to get out, you got to get out, get away, get off, get out, get away, get off. For everyone else here, if you want to just extend your hands out, just put your hands out to receive something. Palms up. Father, I thank you for each one, each one that you've brought together here. <laughs> thank you for each one that you've brought together here this morning. And I just pray as they search their hearts for what you have for them, that you indeed would give them the desires of their heart, those desires that you planted in there that you knew of even before the beginning of time as we know it that you would bless them with that that you would encourage them with that that you would give them dreams and confirmations of who and what you've called them to be and to do I thank you Father I bless them in that in Jesus mighty name and I would ask you to continue in prayer for these that are up here but if you want to go or you need to go, you are released in the name of Jesus. That you will walk knowing your authority, knowing the blessing that you carry, and let your light shine as he makes his face to shine upon you and gives you his peace. In Jesus' name.